0: The following is a collaboration between KZMU and the Storied Self, bringing you true personal stories told from the heart in Moab, Utah. All the stories you'll hear in this special are broadcast with the consent of their creators.
1: We're all Road bouncing the from <laughs> from sadness to anger to denial to bargaining to acceptance over and over every day, multiple times a day. Some of us, but the idea that there's a landing pad and that landing pad of, of, a, of or maybe springboard even for yeah, something exactly. in the future that like is really exciting and particularly exciting in this again in this context of how it relates to story, where something occurs and we all make the meaning out of it. And so, sharing your meaning, sharing your story um, in whatever venue you do it.
0: This is the Storied Self 2020 Look Back Special, a year like none other. Josie Kovash and Celia Ilario will take us through these stories. Here they are, speaking in April 2020. This is Josie Kovash, and I am here via technological. Distance with Celia Lario, one of the organizers of the Storied Self Moab Story Slams. Hi, Celia. Hey. Um, Now, for the uninitiated, what is the Storied Self? What are Story Slams? Give me a little bit of background.
1: Sure, sure. So uh, Alyssa, who no longer lives in town, through uh, uh, some partnership with the Moab Arts and with a little grant from the MAC, the Moab Arts Commission, and in partnership with um, y'all at KZMU and some others in town who helped make it happen. Yeah, the idea is similar to the Moth Story Slams and others around the country. These are live stories told on stage without notes Uh, true as affirmed by the teller. And the idea is you're telling your own story, not someone else's. And there's some kind of a a time constraint associated with it. Some of them are like ours, some longer. And so this year, myself and um, Ginger Allen and Seamus and uh, Christy Williams and Sherry Zollinger to, to make sure that this could become a Moab tradition. And um, with help from KZMU, we're getting that extra piece that takes us from the live storytelling event to actually being able to then share those stories with folks over the radio as well. So thanks to KZMU for, for taking it that extra step.
0: Excellent, and so this year started off with a, so each, each uh, Slam has like a theme or a prompt, and the, the theme for the February 13th Slam was love. Yes. Yes. In
1: particular, love rocks, with an Ah. exclamation point. And of course, there's many entendres there. It could be the love of rocks. It could be that love is awesome, as in rocks, like it's awesome. And um, it also rocks our world. There are many things that can be done with that phrase. But yeah, so that was the first slam that was um, in the tradition that folks had been Expecting life to be like, which is uh, there at the mark in the evening. Moonflower provided some snacks and Sundial Medicinals. Emily um, gave us some of her famous love tea. And um, so, you know, it's a combination of theater style seating and some cushy couches and comfy chairs brought in from around the mark, kind of um, trying to make it feel like a living room vibe. Folks got to tell their stories. And then This year, we also have started a prompt. So if you're sort of looking for a gateway, you're not quite ready to get up on stage and tell a story, but you have something to say about the topic, you can um, fill out a little form that's got a sentence or two, you know, space for a sentence or two. And the prompt was, I think it was something to the effect of, I knew it was love when or, or I knew it was love the moment that dot, dot, dot. And so that uh, we had about, oh gosh, Probably about 20 people, 25 people uh, put the, an answer to that in, in a hat that then I read out loud. Um, and then we had a handful of storytellers that night as well.
0: To the Storied Self 2020 Look Back Special. Now, here's more from Josie Kovash and Celia Ilario on how the pandemic changed this event. They spoke in April 2020. And so, going from the collective living room of the mark for the love theme, then you went into the most most recent Storied Slam on April 16th, uh, literally from everybody's individual living rooms so I wonder if you could talk about that that transition of yeah
1: yeah you know it's interesting because as things have been unfolding it's kind of hard to imagine canceling events and yet um there's always a real question around whether changing the style of an event which is meant to be an in-person celebration you know where oh, you're looking at the person and you see the expressions on their face and you see their gestures and they get to look into your eyes and to change that into a different venue. It was, a, it was an interesting question, but for me, I didn't want this uh, tradition to, to not continue. We came together on Zoom and on Facebook Live, and it was really fun because we had folks in a Zoom room. There was a, about, you know, it probably at its most maybe 20, 22 people or something like that were there. Mm. I haven't seen the statistics for the the other organizations but we had you know about 10 or 15 people who popped in to um, watch it at the story itself and yeah about the same amount of people who offered responses to the question um, one of the most beautiful things ever is dot 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 (laughs) so that was our our a chance for people to throw anonymously a few sentences about beauty into the hat and so christy williams um hosted that one and she told a story as well and uh we had six storytellers that night
0: yeah so the 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 virtual hat being um like the the chat i guess of people (laughs) chiming in exactly Um. throw your name in the (laughs) chat instead of into the hat exactly (laughs) yeah yeah
2: So it's in the eye of the beholder, and we're here to enjoy more. Is Alyssa Rubin still here? Can we have a story from
3: Hey, can you hear me Yay. okay? Yay! Cool. Um, yeah, this is awesome. Thanks, Christy and Celia. This is so fun, and I'm loving reading all the comments also. Um, so I just want to tell a short story about when, um, when I was in high school, I Grew up in Florida, so I got the opportunity to take a marine biology class in high school. And I actually took it for a couple of years and had a really awesome teacher who just inspired all of her students in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that she inspired me was one day she came into the classroom and she had this jar full of mysterious orbs uh, that we were all really intrigued wondering You know what she had and this was not out of the norm for her to bring in a surprise and she told us to gather all of our microscopes and so we got our microscopes ready and we were really excited at our tables Um, some we were in teenagers so some people were kind of jaded and uninterested but she handed us each a little orb uh, to put under our microscope and um, we focus in, we practice our science skills. And as I focused in, I saw that it was a teeny tiny squid in its egg, like in its little, um, it was still alive. And she had had them in the proper salt water and was caring for them. And so we each got to observe a squid egg um, under the microscope. And we brought it into focus and it, not only was it just so adorable, but the one of the most um one of the things you notice most is that it actually squids actually have three hearts so we got to see like the three hearts beating um all together and this moment for me was just changed me it was one just an observation that i had no idea that animals could even have multiple hearts so that was something that i learned but also getting the chance to observe something so small that I would have gone so unnoticed um, up close and inspired me in the way of science and wonder and inspiration. Um, and to this day, I just, when I, I actually work now in science and science communication. So I think back to that time where my teacher brought these tiny orbs of squid eggs into our classroom and I got to experience three hearts at once and I think that is a beautiful thing. So I wanted to share that with you all.
2: <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> three hearts? I'm undone. Mm-hmm. Thank you, <laughs> fans. Thank you, Alyssa. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the transition of platform... To- to this kind of virtual realm in no way downsized what was happening. It just shifted it and I think something I was surprised by was the way that emotion played out and I imagine, you know, in the live setting, there's a lot of emotion as well, but I, I wonder if you could um, kind of speak to what that looked like, particularly in the most recent slam as people are, are telling stories, but also telling stories from, from a place of potentially isolation or you know, immense change.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, to really even try to get comparison going, we would have needed to do an online version that was um, in that old paradigm because so much is changing. And um, somebody uh, quoted Bruce Coburn to me this morning, the um, musical performer who's, you know, graced the KZMU Airways and also has headlined the um, Folk Festival. I guess there's a line in one of his songs that's like something about the the problem with normal is it keeps getting worse or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> and so you know it's interesting to talk about normal and we'll return we to normal or what's the sure. new normal or whatever and so I'm kind of trying to avoid the word normal, but yeah we're in a we're in an interesting time right now as a community and and there's a lot to experience. people are feeling you know uncomfortable and Fear, <laughs> anticipated, yeah. present, and future, <laughs> and and maybe even ancestral, you know, trauma and fear just playing playing out. And so, it was lovely nonetheless. And it was also for many of us um, the most socializing we had done <laughs> in a while, you know. Right. Or the or the recognition of how good that feels. You know, there were people on the call who are doing work or school in an online setting, but hadn't been getting getting together socially in an online setting. And to so, to use a, a group video chat for something that was, was truly strictly for pleasure and a celebration was great. And also, you know how it is, Josie. Sometimes that underscores the what you've been missing. Sometimes yeah. it just makes you feel good and realize that you got a little fix of that. But I think, you know, yeah. um, it can go
2: either way for folks. The theme is beauty. And I do believe we're going to point to perhaps Ginger, if she's still on. Is Ginger still here? I actually was the one who picked the theme
4: of beauty selfishly. And um, for the longest time, I thought my story would be about somehow like embracing and accepting my physical form and how it's okay to feel beautiful or not beautiful or like this this fleeting beauty of, of self And then, (laughs) and then the last month happened and I realized that even more important than the outward expression of physicality is (sighs) physical touch. Um, So I'm actually, uh, weird timing, I'm in a master's of public health program in biosecurity and disaster preparedness. Um, So I'm actually going to school right now to learn about pandemics and all these infectious disease disasters. So everything we're in the midst of right now, I'm in school for and it's terrifying. (laughs) It seems like the least perfect timing. Um, or the best. But what it means is I know to follow recommendations and I know to be responsible. And um, when the guidance went out to self-isolate and to just interact with people of your household, what it meant for me was that I would be spending the foreseeable future alone. Because with my degree, I knew well enough that um, this wasn't gonna be a few days or two weeks. And it's so hard. Um, Besides going to the grocery store a few times and quickly bagging my groceries, interacting with the person there minimally, and then leaving. Um, I haven't really had that much physical contact, uh, conversation, anything with people. and. It just reminds me of this one trip that I did when uh, I graduated university and I decided that I was going to be an adult and I was gonna travel alone. And And I um, got a hiking backpack that didn't fit me at all. And I had a thousand dollars in my bank account after I booked my flight to Europe. And I decided that I would just travel all over all these different countries and have this amazing uncertain trip where I didn't have an itinerary and I would just write down countries and then look at this page in my tattered notebook and and decide that, okay, you know what, I'll go to Paris instead of Rome right now, or it's cheaper to go to Amsterdam next because of this flight. So let me do that. And, And it was the most magical trip and I got lost so many times. And I had like just this experience of trying to prove to myself that I was capable, but There was a point during that trip where I realized that because I was traveling every few days and um, even if I was staying at hostels I wasn't having deep conversations with people and besides maybe that accidental brush against someone I wasn't able to um, have any close physical touch and Uh, I remember near the end of it, just absolutely breaking down and gut-wrenching sobs and and thinking that I never wanted that to happen again. And I learned that if I was ever touch-starved, because I realized how important it was for me, that I could pay money to get a massage from someone. So I have shamelessly done that several times where I've paid an extensive amount of money to have some stranger rub my body, um, to just have that touch to fill up that that reservoir in me that was limited. Um, And now I'm in quarantine. One of my favorite musicians shared a photo of two carrots that were intertwined and that made me absolutely ball. Uh, There is this level of when you're stuck in a situation like this alone, um, that it's this own kind of awe. Uh, But yesterday um, I had a friend I've known for several years in town. She's one of my closest friends here. And we were gonna go on a social distancing walk and keep our distance. And we ended up going on a bike ride and said to her house, we stayed outside for the longest time. And her husband uh, looked at me and I made a comment about how I hadn't been hugged or had any physical touch in, in a month. And he was like, oh, I can change that. And he hugged me. And then I started crying hysterically. <laughs> and my friend and I looked at each other like, does he know what he did? Because you know, there are some serious implications with this, especially during this Time. And then we stared at each other a bit more. And then she reached over and we breached the six feet of distance that had been between us the entire time. And and she hugged me. I've never felt something so. Generous in,
2: <sighs> and then we went inside
4: and we made pizza and, and cut vegetables and had a salad, and talked and it was the first time in that month that I had done so, that I hadn't just eaten food in my, you know, my one bedroom apartment alone in, in that time. And, <laughs> and so I guess this means I've been adopted. And perhaps I won't have to go through this alone. that physical touch, that craving, and then also just knowing that now I have this little circle that I hopefully can continue to interact with, but it's still so small. Um, So to everyone listening, and to everyone who is part of, of this amazing community that I miss the vibrancy of. I really, I can't wait to give each one of you a massive hug (laughs) and know that I love you all. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Ginger. We hug you from here. We absolutely reach out and hug you from here. Thank you for that. Touch, such a beautiful love language. You are
0: listening to the Storied Self 2020 Look Back Special. Here's more from Josie Kovash and Celia Ilario speaking in April 2020. Thinking about a couple of sort of continuums, one being, and and this, I think, resonated with both themes having with that love prompt, uh, some people, you know, talking about love of others, and some people talking about love of self. And similarly, it seems like with the beauty prompt, some interpretations of that went kind of outward, um, even, you know, kind of like landscape outward, but a lot of it also went inward. And so, especially with something where people are telling stories of the self. It is the story itself. I wonder about that continuum from, you know, self to universal, from inward to outward.
1: Mm, The great thing about this kind of storytelling is you can go to whatever depth you want. I coached somebody and I offered, you know, I sort of put it out there that I would be happy to, and myself and Christy Williams are coaching communicators and coaching storytellers. And we both offered to, you know, and that offer stands for anybody in the community for a future slam who wants to get some story coaching. And I worked with somebody who was thinking about a story. They actually ended up not telling that story. They told a different story, but they came to me and they were talking about something that was just so private and so painful and so intense and I said you know this is really powerful and beautiful and I have so much respect for you to stand up in front of your community and tell this story but but the story slam does not have to be a painful thing. (laughs) You know, it doesn't have to hurt. It It doesn't doesn't have have to be, a. it's not truth or dare. It's not Mm. tell me your secret, you know, it's, um, it's an opportunity to tell a story. And so some of that can be light and playful and meaningful and clever, you know, and some of it can be, uh, really deep, you know, and, and stir both the teller and the, the listener. Uh, but I think about story as a, truly as a gift, right. You know, so it's, it's a gift when someone comes and tells you a story and what kind of mindset and what kind of, of mood are we in, you know, when we're receiving a gift. If someone hands you a present, you get to open a present. Usually you're in a particular kind of space, you know, in mood. It's your birthday. It's a holiday where you get presents, you know, and you're, it's an unexpected gift, you know, and they're handing it to you. And I always really encourage people to receive story that same way, you know? And, um, cause it is, it's, it's it's a sacred act. I mean, we do it all the time. We do it every day. People say, Oh, I don't know how to tell a story. It's like, Oh my God, are you kidding? You just told me about what happened to you at the bar the other night. Like that was hilarious. You know, it had a beginning, a middle and end. There was a inflection point. There were sympathetic characters. I'm going to tell a story. It's just, just tell us about what's going on in your life. And, uh, so yeah there's there's a lot of both intimacy and also you know gratitude that can surface when uh, you get to hear a good story or tell a good story.
0: with this kind of new paradigm that we are living in right now i mean I, th- I think story is always important, and we we clearly um, as a species really crave storytelling but what what do you think story? means for this new paradigm and and maybe how we choose our experience of it or um, how we interact with others around it.
1: Yeah, I think story remains as important as ever in that sacred gift and sacred exchange. Uh, I also think that everybody's having different experiences. And, you know, there's that old adage that, you know, you can stand three people up in the middle of a of a field or out here in the desert and something can occur and you're going to get as many different versions or stories around it as the people who are there watching it. But I think it's especially important right now because we are not necessarily all having the same lived experience. And so it's going to be particularly important that we're able to understand that, you know, story builds compassion. Um, it builds community, Uh, you know, if all's going well, it, it makes us uh, recognize that we're all in this together. It helps us see um, and celebrate our differences, but also to see uh, our collective humanity. And, and there's just never been a time in, in my lifetime that that kind of thing was as important as it is now. You know, whether you go for humor and whimsy, or whether you go for like, the really serious stuff that ends up just making everybody gasp. You hear that collective, like, <gasps> at that certain point in the story, you know, where the whole, you know, get hurt, you could have heard a pin drop on Zoom.
2: <laughs> we were just about ready to launch into uh, a story based on the prompt about graduation day. The sub-question to the prompt was, when did you know that you were done with a whole chapter? opening the way for a new self, a new life. Well, it occurred to me that sometimes you know when you're crossing a threshold or something very discreet, you know, you throw up the mortarboard, the hat, you get that piece of paper, you get that job. Uh, Some thresholds, though, it occurs to me, are so deep and so wide uh, that you don't see what A life chapter was even all about until it's firmly in the rear view mirror you know um, with the view then in sight it can take a while it's gradual Um, it's like the wild time of now if you ask me it feels like we're crossing a perilous bridge to a new world My story of graduation begins with learning the meaning of three words, nit nité garabam. It's Wolof, which is the language of West African places like Senegal. Uh, You know, it's the land of the griot, Uh, those doctors that were storytellers, and they're Chora playing this beautiful 12-stringed instrument that accompanies them when, when they do healing. They are lineage holders who could heal and still do by singing and connecting oral ancestry to the one needing the healing in the community. And so what they do is they recount the human lineage uh, back to the beginning of their first people reminding them of their own belonging. Um, so anyway, I read this announcement on a community radio listserv, uh, by now it's like 15 years ago, from a guy named Asan Tialo. And he lived up in Seattle and he was trying to keep a promise he made. Uh, he said it out loud to his whole community back in Dakar. And it was that he would start a community radio station there. And he was seeking used equipment to begin. And he was putting it out there to the community radio, you know, sphere. So happens KZMU had just upgraded and had a transmitter that was just sitting there. And uh, when we as a station graduated from 89.7 to solar powered 90.1 and 106.7 FM, Well, I called Asan Diallo and made a brand new friend. Um, He was thrilled. And it was, it was a totally epic thing to get this to Dakar. We had this kitchen table size box, sturdy, custom made uh, and donated by Tom Wesson. And he got it. We sent it, uh, you know, to Asan. We sent it to the coast and the boat that took it across several oceans to get to Dakar. And the people in this small village near Dakar uh, that were building this radio station had such a long way to go to get to their first broadcast day. Uh, Just the infrastructure of which KZMU's old transmitter was a key piece, like you cannot transmit without a transmitter but it was old and it kept shorting out from the heat. And uh, so they struggled to bring the station forth and I felt bad about it. You know, it was like, um, here you go. Here's this faulty equipment, enjoy. And, uh, you know, but, I, and when I told him this uh, as we developed our friendship, he was like, oh no, Christine, oh no. got te garabam, a person is always another person's remedy. This gift from Moab's community station gave everybody the vision that it could be done. And so they did, it it helped them gain momentum over a whole bunch of trials, including corrupt officials who prolonged the need to kind of hold on long and tight to this vision. Well, Asandiado kept his promise. They prevailed and you can hear them. Um, right now on Baobabs FM online. Well, I thought I knew what nite Nite Garabam meant, but I hadn't graduated yet, as it turns out. Um, time is so stretchy. It, it seems more than a world away now, but a year ago, my husband and I were lucky enough to go to Spain and uh the travel itself seems so miraculous now um now some thresholds borders can't even be crossed because pandemic uh but then the borders we were crossing were linguistic and cultural and it was a delicious joy uh because I was going with somebody tall and tan and could speak Spanish, my experience was one of seeing just like over and over what speaking the language of the place that I'm visiting could do to bring goodness. I mean, to create this true connection. It was, it was like watching a key turn a door that led to a world Something happens in the eyes, you know, when you when you are able to turn that key. Well, you know, things bloom. The Hubs and I, okay, there we were in Spain, having a patio roja, some manchego cheese, some olives, and looking at all the people in front of this art museum. We had just witnessed... Pablo Picasso's Guernica in person, that masterpiece of jagged black and white of screaming horses and bare bulbs and the pieta of dead babies. And we were absorbing this this unbelievable work, you know, digesting this really recent, very bloody history, uh, fascist history of Franco And the atrocities that had happened in the very square that we were sitting in, like not so long ago. Up comes a man selling carved animals and textiles and shirts. And he could speak Spanish and French and English and Wolof. And his trade was supporting his wife and his daughter back in Senegal. And uh, we were on a budget, the Hubs and I. Um, the wine and the cheese were the dinner for that particular day, and I didn't really see anything that I couldn't live without. You know, I, I was just happy to meet this very interesting person. Anyhow, um, I said, of course, no, because I, you know, said no. And what did he do? He haggled. <laughs> he, that gave him that gave him the you know mojo to begin to try and negotiate a little bit further. Um so anyhow in the in the conversation I said to him nitni take arabam and his eyes they lit they just lit and he started to laugh and it was so magical it changed the whole tenor of our conversation. I still didn't want any of his merchandise really. So I said, okay, here, you know, um, take this, take this 20 euro. I want to support you. I want to support your work. I want to, you know, just help your trajectory with your family back in Senegal. And the minute I said it, you could just see, you could see his eyes just go like this and his heart sank. And here's the thing. I just didn't get it. I missed it. I miss the moment to acknowledge his work and to give it some dignity. Um, he's not a beggar, you see. So at once, uh, I selected this hand-carved turtle, and uh, I love it to this day. And he said, ah, now we know. You know, now we know what this thing is about, this beautiful exchange. Um, But, you know, that was then, in the far off one year ago. And I still didn't understand how much I needed to understand. In the now, here we are in this bridge of troubled water. The stream is churning and it's muddy. It's hard to do anything except just read and react and be blinded by the oncoming. Not even recognizing people that we thought we knew, unfriending as we go, but it's amending we need. So I think about the griot uh, and our ancestors and this long. Brown, green current that spirals all the way back to our first mothers. Those ones from sub-Saharan Africa, that are the mothers of every single one of us breathing today. And I shut my eyes, and I listen for the singing up from the roots helping us to remember our common humanity. I think about the world outpouring of empathy, still coming and and it opened this kind of long graduation ceremony, Um, a graduation ceremony, a world uh, and a self, you know, knowing that we're in this long procession on this bridge. And I see that we make this bridge arm in arm, holding hands by remembering where we've been dismembered and by holding each other in belonging by graduating. A person is always another person's remedy. I give thanks to this truth that for me opens the way we depend on each other for this mending in every way. Nit niti karabam.
0: you have any parting words or, or last things you'd like to throw out there for people to kind of hold? One of the things that
1: just around this idea of meaning that I wanted to mention is that the folks who came up with the idea of um, five stages of grief, David Kessler and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who walked us through, you know, years ago, this idea that in grief, you go through denial and then anger and bargaining and sadness and eventually acceptance, Mm -hmm. five or six months ago, added a sixth stage of grief. And that, that stage is meaning. Right. And from meaning comes purpose, which I am so happy about because it never felt to me like acceptance was the end of the line. Yeah. Of course, it's nonlinear <laughs> and you bounce in out of all these sure. things. Sure. We all know we're the all bouncing from, <laughs> from sadness to anger to <laughs> denial to bargaining to acceptance over and over every day, multiple times a day, some of us. But the idea that there's a landing pad and that landing pad of, of, a, of or maybe springboard even for yeah, something in exactly. the future, that like is really exciting and particularly exciting in this, again, in this mm-hmm. context of how it relates to stories or something occurs and we all make the meaning out of it and so sharing your meaning sharing your story um, in whatever venue you do it when we may not have the same kind of physical access to one another so that would be my inspiration to folks is you know go forth share your story share your meaning because your meaning is how you and all of us can make sense of this this time we're in
0: This radio special is a collaboration between KZMU and the story itself, bringing you true personal stories told from the heart in Moab, Utah. All the stories heard in this special were broadcast with the consent of their creators.